Hello, Cooper. What's up, Zach? How we doing? I'm doing well. It's a good day. It is a good day. Tell me about it. Zach, I'm free. Free, free indeed, free at last. Let I it ring. Free. Let it ring. So I'm free from 10 years of bad luck. No way. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So um, believe it or not, when I was 11, okay. I received a text message from... Which would make you 21. Yeah, so I'm 21 now. So okay. 10 years ago. This has been going on for 10 years. I'm very interested to yeah. see where this goes. So when I was 11, I received a text from someone that I didn't really consider a close friend. Um, and I actually have the text archived. No way. I'd love to from 10 it. years yeah. ago. Yes. What do you have like an iPhone four at the time? Um, I actually never had either three GS. No. Was, uh, Holy dinosaur. Yeah. I didn't have a phone. It was like an iPod. Maybe like I had like a Samsung impression. Actually, it was a little slip, <laughs> flip phone with a little touch. Uh, ew. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was before iPhones, but let me go ahead and read it for you. Because you read this, you will get kissed on Friday. If you continue to send it on break it and your crush will ask someone out break it, meaning the train of text that right. been going through. <laughs> tomorrow will be the best day of your life. However, if you don't send this to at least 10 people, you will have bad luck for 10, ten years, years of your life. And that was on February 23rd. Send this to 15 people in 15 minutes. No, way. go, go, go. No tag backs uh, with a lot of emojis. I'm yeah. Like, a, like just decorated with emojis throughout and, I just didn't take it seriously. Has I'm sure there are some listeners that can just relate to those moments where you yeah. get a text, like the chain texts or emails. Well, I feel like this is a cause to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, congratulations. I, thank you. Like seriously, there's a huge weight off my back. <laughs> I, I mean, you could, I, do I look happier? Yes, you were walking ten feet higher. The bags under my eyes are gone. Yes, I, I mean, mean, this is the first day I haven't tripped in ten years. Ten years of bad luck for not sending on one of those. Just texts. imagine how the podcast is going to go from now on. Oh, dude! I mean, we're about to get some major. It's going to go up. It's a great day. Wow! I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually. Um, what I sent, instead of sending that text to, to 15 other people, I actually sent them. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. It's me, Zach, and it feels good to be free. I'll say Oh, it. I bet. You look different. I mean. There's a glow about your face. I'm saying. And, and what man. is also special is today is your episode. We're just going to dedicate this to you. Thank you, Zach. We finally let Coop out of his cage. Yes. We let him free. We let him go. And he interviewed someone. Yes, I did, Zach. I actually got to interview someone named J.D. Rogers, who is actually one of my dear friends. I've gotten to know him through working with him at Canica Camps. Um, but he is a man who is creative beyond all belief. Beyond it. Oh my gosh. His resume is pretty extensive of different areas where he served as a creative director, um, whether that be Breakaway Ministries or earlier at Canacuck. He worked right. for After Dark for a little bit. He now works um, at Watermark, which is the church that you and I both attend, and right. he's acting as um, the creative producer there right now. And so he is a creative guy, but yes. also has a lot to say about leadership. He does, and because he's been under great leaders, and Absolutely. which is he brings a unique perspective. He's twenty six years old. Young. He's he's young. He's done a lot of great things in creativity. But what makes his experiences special is that he's been under great leaders. That's absolutely correct. And Joe that's kind of what I got to talk to him. Timothy about. Timothy Atee. Yeah, like these guys: David Marvin, Todd Wagner, like guys that have been pouring into him. And he's telling us how do you be a good follower? How do you learn from these guys, but also give them space? Right. And the value of truth tellers, which yeah. is, I mean, he was great. Absolutely. There's kind of three main parts of this episode and all of them are valuable. So it was interesting, I'm sure, to connect them and cut the, the episode together. But right. I mean, it was a blast to get to hang with him on the interview. Well, JD's a great guy. We're excited to, to listen to him. He's creative. He's funny. He brings great stories. So but... here it is. My wow. interview 
with J.D. Rogers. Wow. Well, J.D., it's good to be here with you. Go ahead and start by giving us kind of who you are for the listener that doesn't know you. Tell us where you are in your areas of leadership and things like that. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Like you said, my name is J.D. Rogers, and I have known Cooper for, I mean, how many years now? Um, I think 20, 2017, the summer of 2017. Wow. Yeah, time I was flies. A, I, was a, I was a budding college, just finished my freshman year. Yeah, you were you were a key player, though, in those days in my life, for what sure. What can I say? Yeah. Um, but I now live in Dallas, Texas. I just mm-hmm. moved to Dallas last June, uh, June of 2019, to come on staff uh, here at Watermark Community Church. Yeah. So uh, came from Breakaway Ministries over at Texas A&M in College Station. Worked there for two years as their creative director. Um, and now I'm here serving as a creative producer at Watermark while also uh, doing what they call the Watermark Institute. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing the fellowship within that umbrella of the Institute. So, yeah. Um, just kind of wanted to jump right in and know that in your story, you have had the opportunity to sit under some great leaders and just kind of wanted to open up and ask initially, kind of what are some of those thoughts that comes to mind um, when thinking about the unique positions that you've been placed in? Like, what does it look like to develop um, relationships with the leaders that you're placed under um, so that you can kind of learn from them, but also be, um, I guess, entrusted with leadership as well? Yeah, I think when I when I think back on the, the men I've gotten to sit under, the, yeah. the bosses I've got to work for, uh, there is so many things that I've I've learned. Absolutely. Um, but I would say one of the coolest things that has kind of come with, I've now worked four jobs. I've transitioned four jobs. Right. I'm 26. Very millennial of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they, each boss has taught me something like monumental for my, my walk and for my journey in life. And uh, I think at one time I expected anytime I met a great leader that I was drawn to and I wanted to learn from, I created this unrealistic expectation that they had something that they had to give me. Like, right. hey, I, I need an hour of your time every week, or I need, um, I want to, I want to be invested in your life, and I want you to be invested in mine. And I kind of had this model, but these, the reason why these men are great leaders is because they've they have a lot going on. Right. They they have a lot of people underneath them, and. So a really cool moment for me was I I kind of rearranged my expectations and I started to just take every opportunity I had with these leaders, with these men, um, as if it was the last opportunity I ever had, which means that I always had my notes open in my phone. If I was with them while they were talking to someone else and I heard something I liked, I'd write it down. I started to stop looking for, hey, I just want all of your attention on me, one hour coffee a week. And just started to take any opportunity I can to be near up against walking with these great leaders. And so some of the experience, um, like, you know, I, I, I've had is one of my first jobs uh, was with Canicook Camps yeah. After Dark Ministries. Met. Right, right, right. Um, and I, I traveled with um, Adam Martin, who was the president at the time of After Dark. Yeah. And then obviously spent a lot of times with the director of Canicook, Joe White, mm-hmm. uh, just a legend. Yes, and a legend is the best way to describe it. Yeah. And in that... Uh, Joe found out that the best leader in my life, uh, my dad, he he passed away four years ago of cancer. Yeah. And um, I obviously had a huge void to fill in my life. I kind of lost that mentor, that Absolutely. leader. And when Joe kind of heard my story, he kind of stepped into that role immediately. He has a huge heart for the fatherless and stepped into that role. And 
that man still calls me randomly once every couple of months. He has so much going on. So much has hit him <laughs> yes. recently. And He's gone through a lot. Yeah, he has. Yeah. He, and uh, he calls me and he remembers things we've talked about here, members, struggles I've mentioned. Um, and, and I'll never forget one day I just said, Hey Joe, I just want to hear how to be an amazing communicator. Like, how yeah. do you cast vision? How do you communicate? He is an amazing communicator. He is. And he was like, all right, I'm going to give you an hour call. Be ready. And I was like, all right, I don't know when it's going to come. It's going to come. And so I was driving with Chick-fil-A in my lap and I got the call and I, I pulled over in the Chick-fil-A parking yes. lot scurried through my stuff and found a piece of paper and a pen right because i knew immediately when i called or when i answered he said do you have your pen and paper out and i was like yes sir and i was yeah. on my steering wheel you know poking holes to the paper and and every once in a while i hit the horn on yeah exactly and, uh, okay? and he and he just starts going off and he was like jd first off I'm not going to make you a, a great speaker. I'm not going to tell you how to give a good talk. You're going to be a communicator. I'm going to teach you how to communicate. And he starts going off for like an hour. He just spits straight fire. And that little piece of paper was just was tattered and covered. Worn. And I, I yeah. still have it. And, and I learned so much. And it was like, okay, I got an hour from Joe just learning about this one thing. And I didn't talk to him again for a month. You know, right. I, I then went from there to work at Breakaway where I sat under uh, Timothy Atique, right. TA. And one thing that he taught me that was monumental was he was like, JD, um, I know you're gifted. I don't care. Like, I don't yeah, care what wow. you can do for me. Um, I want you to know that I love you and I want to I want to build your character, not your platform. And and he mm. really shaped my character for two years. He met with me many tears. And that was more of a discipleship type of relationship. For sure. It was yeah. definitely discipleship. It was definitely like, come with me, yeah. see these things. But at the same time, you know, he would he was the first guy to really call out motive. He would look at me and not let me just bull crap. He would, he would go, okay, that comment sounded a little prideful. Or, hey, mm. when you did that, it seemed flaky. It didn't seem faithful. And he would do these things that really were monumental for my heart. Yeah. And for so long, I think I've been identified by leaders for my gifts and for what I could do for them. They kind of saw yeah. me as like, cha-ching, and like, right. come and do, come and do. And he was like, I'm going to let you do things. But more than that, I'm going to let you be here and, and learn what it means to, to really – dig in deep into your character. Yeah. And that was huge because now uh, at Watermark, I'm given more opportunities with speaking things and, and platform yeah. and all of that. I can get up there in full confidence knowing that it's not about me right. and it's not about a, a spotlight. It's not about a platform because of the things that TA's leadership poured Absolutely. into my life. And now at Watermark, I am under what seems like 50,000 amazing <laughs> leaders. Yes. Um, and one of those uniquely... Uh, has been Todd Wagner, right. uh, the the pastor of Watermark, and I'll just say this: I know I'm going so long on the first thing, but no, it's fine. He, it, it's been so cool. I I had got to live with the Wagners my right. first month and a half living in Dallas, and lived in the room right down the hall from yeah. Todd. And you know, so many people see a very bold, courageous man on a stage, um, telling them truth, but I got to see the heart. And, and you see the heart on stage, but I right. got to see more behind the curtain yeah. of Todd and his family dynamic. And it's just as real, just as honest. And he's so busy. And yeah. literally my, my birthday was while I was living with him. And long story short, he texted like really um, just some deep friends in my life, yeah. got their numbers, texted them so secretly, like wow. had them come over. 
grilled burgers, had all the desserts, and each family member had heard the things I had liked in Dallas so far and it had got a gift card. Like he got me Eatsy's, you know, his daughter got wow. me Civil Poor, his, yeah. his wife got me Central Market, his son got me a ping pong paddle because it was a <laughs> ping pong camp. And um Camp, right? Yeah. Shout out camp. He he just made time for that. Yeah. And and that that's just huge. Cause it's like, I know you have so many things pulling you so oh, yeah. different ways. So it's like it's just been awesome to see that leaders are very rarely um, what you perceive from afar. There's so much more. There's so much more. And I would just encourage people, don't withdraw because you don't get your one hour with right. them or you don't get your meeting with them. Take any opportunity when you're in the same room as influential leaders, take it as if you were getting that one hour coffee. Yeah. Bring your bring your journal, bring your pen and 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 learn. So Right. Because because leaders in general are not gonna be quick to say yes to another hour on their schedule, but yeah. it, but it costs them nothing to have you like walk alongside them exactly. and, and walk and join in with them. And I think a big part of that, being able to do that, is like connecting with people and connecting with leaders so that they enjoy having you around and not just on a surface level, but in a genuine way yeah. um, of connecting with them. And so is there anything that comes to mind talking about like connecting with people. Um, obviously, we've talked about some of the great leaders that you've gotten to, to spend time with, connecting with them, but also just in general, what does it look like for you to intentionally connect with people? You know, a great way to get in the presence of leaders is to be a leader. Yeah. Like self-lead and lead out. Um, take initiative. Think forward thinking. Be proactive, not reactive. Be a man of integrity and a woman of integrity and walk humbly and like be a leader. Yeah. And I promise you, you're going to find yourself in the midst of leaders. Right. And um, so with that, though, that there's so much more in leadership than people think. Right. And I think leaders are good at connecting with all types of people from all different backgrounds and all different gift sets and different things. And so for me, I think one of the main things is I like to just get straight to the heart of a person. Yeah. I like to get real, really quick. Yeah. I think we I waste that. Yeah. I think we, <laughs> I think we waste so much time and people are attracted to authenticity. They're attracted to, wow, this person really cared about seeing me. And like, he didn't know that this was going to be a one and done 15 minute interaction. But in that 15 minutes, he learned more about me than I've shared with some people I've known for months. Like yeah. he was getting really real, really quick. And I think people are drawn to that because every person innately desires to be known. They want to be, they want to be known. They want to feel like, man, you didn't just see what I do. You don't see, you didn't see what I have, what I bring to the table. I didn't have to perform for you. I simply like you asked me the questions that honestly show the not so pretty side of myself. And yet you still treated me like I was the most important person in the room. Yeah. So I would say, Get real, real quick and, and cut the crap, like get past the surface and just dive in. Life's too short. And, uh, for anything else. And then a good way to connect with someone is see them for like who they are and not what they can do for you. Yeah. I, I love the idea I've heard since I've been at Watermark of be a, there you are person, not a here I am person. Mm -hmm. Be more impressed than impressive. Like make your life about celebrating and noticing and seeing others. Yeah. And they in return want to know and be and see and follow you. And so it's just, I, I, I personally, um, I do have a hard time. So one of my strength finders, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah, the test, yeah. but one of my top five strengths is woo. It's my second one. Mm -hmm. And uh woo stands for winning others right. over. Yeah, I was going to say, explain it just in case. Yeah. It stands for yeah. winning others over. And, one of the 
constraints of woo is it can be perceived as you're someone that's very um, wishy-washy with people. So like what happens is, is you, you naturally come into a room and you work the room. So right. you, you go to this person, you connect with them deeply and then, okay, after establishing a, a connection, you go to the next person, right. you get their story. You look at their mutual friends on Facebook. <laughs> what connections do we have? Yeah. Establish it onto the next. And a lot of times you make a connection and then you connect them with someone else. It's like, oh, you like this? My other friend I connected with that I barely spend time with, right. that I act like I've known them my whole life, right. I'm going to connect y'all and y'all are going to become best friends. I'm going now to the next. Right, and right. that can come off like that you don't actually care. Yeah. And so I constantly have to check myself. So what I'll do to kind of fight back against that and connect to people, make sure they see um, as I'm stepping more and more into leadership in ministry and to like trying to represent Christ. Like that's Absolutely. that is what my... That is what my life is about, is representing Christ. So what I try to do is like, if I leave an interaction of meeting someone, I'll say their name multiple times to myself, and I'll just repeat parts of like what I learned about them in that moment. Even practically, I'll maybe like write to it. them? No. Okay, like, okay. Once I leave, I'll be like, you know, let's say her name was Sarah. I'll be like, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Um, she knows um, Avery. Okay, she's from that. She grew up in Dallas, and I'll just repeat it to myself. And then, if I feel like, man, that was a unique connection that I want to help that person in the future, or I I want to come back to that, I want to follow up with that person, I'll write them down in my notes. Um, people love when you remember their name, and yeah. and you can go back to them and go, hey, you know, Sarah, Sarah yeah. how is your dad, or how is that thing? And I'm so naturally bad at that, mm -hmm. so so bad at it. Um, again, because I'm so prone to connect onto the next. And when you're constantly going on to the next, um, it's a great tool for networking and yeah. bringing people together, but it's not the, it's more breadth than depth. And I just try to work on getting, digging down to like getting deeper with people yeah. in a way that they go, okay, he wasn't just trying to make a connection and move on. Like he actually connected right. in a way that mattered. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Just wanted to go back and ask, um, you're talking about authenticity with leaders and asking questions um, that you say kind of expose maybe the bad sides of leaders. And obviously you're not interrogating leaders, but just wanted to ask for maybe an example or two of a question that you might ask to someone because it's, it's probably not like, what's your favorite color or things like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, what type of questions do you intentionally ask to leaders? This is me personally. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, discernment is such a gift. Absolutely. Self-awareness, social awareness is such a gift. If you're not, if you feel like your son is not socially aware, I would encourage you to work on it if you're trying to get in the presence of great leaders. Because social awareness is such a gift where like you can, if you can read, man, it is clear that like I know insert name wants to like care for me. But man, I just feel right now, the last thing he needs right now is to pour out some more. Right. So I'm going to give him the freedom, even though I so badly want to learn from him in this moment, I'm going to, I'm going to be like, Hey, so good to see you. And I'm going to dip and let him go home and go see his family and right. go to bed. Even though it was like, that would have been my one shot to right. get a time with that leader. It's that awareness I think can go sure. a long way. And it just shows you that you're not putting too much in a person. Like these people are people. Absolutely. And so when you start to see people as people and you start to realize that they are of no more worth than you are, it really does level the playing ground. and yeah. it, it levels how you can talk to them. So I'm not going to go to, let's say I got time with um, an athlete, mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a great named athlete. Actually, I'll just give a personal example. I, I'm best friends with um, 
you know, Nick. Yeah, I mean, Nick, Nick Starkle. Yeah, Nick Starkle. Mm-hmm. And Nick's one of my best friends and one of our first ever. He's a great leader. I mean, right. to be a quarterback at the time, he was a quarterback, starting quarterback at AM. He's had a crazy journey since then. But at that time, we had this crazy interaction where, long story short, I just moved to College Station. We, he challenged me to play cut pong. We had met through a mutual friend. Right. And he was like, I'll, I'll, I'll play you. And so we played, and he was like, you know, whoever wins, uh, the other buys them lunch. Yeah. So I whooped him, beat, beat him. You're so talking bad. about like in iMessage? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Cut pong, yeah. Like the finger, you know, flicking the yeah, ball. Yeah, no, I know it. I'm and, horrible um, it. But I know some people, some people come to mind that are talented. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a gifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it really is. Uh, I, I beat him, and so he took me to lunch. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have, I don't like sports. And so it would have been so easy, though, to fake it and ask him about sports. Right. And instead, I was like, no, I want to get to the grit of this guy. Right. Like I want to, I want to know more past what he does. Like I was mentioning earlier. Right. And so I start asking him questions and the dude sucked at answering like real honest questions, you know, questions, for example, is like, Hey, what's your family dynamic? Like, how are you raised? What's your relationship like with your mom and your dad? What's some, what's the hardest thing you've ever endured in life? What's, yeah. um, What's that? What's the biggest insecurity you have? Questions like those, yeah. people if not used to it are like when he's used to like, what's it like being a quarterback? Yeah, Can exactly. Can exactly. I, like, just, Can yeah. I get a picture? Or right. like, hey, how, how's uh, at the time? I was like, how's Jimbo? How's Jimbo? How's right. Jimbo? And it's like all these. You different didn't things. care about Jimbo. I didn't know. I thought his name was <laughs> what I call. I called him. Jumbo, something ridiculous, Jim Bob Golly, or something. Giggle, right? and yeah, yeah. it's truly. I wasn't even an Aggie, so did not care at all. And. uh so he was really bad at it. Yeah. And so what I I drive him back to his car and I had five minutes. So my lunch break was over and I put my car in park and I was like, dude, you had a chance today for someone to know you past what you do, past your sport and you blew it. So I have five minutes. Do you want to do you want to be honest about anything? And he, just, he mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he looked at me and he was like, all right. And right then he told me something he had never told anyone. And he shared with me some deep things from his upbringing and some things that really shaped who he was, some things that really produced insecurity inside of him. And then he gave me his phone, logged in, like took my phone, logged into all of his social media on my phone and was like, I want you to see, like be in the know. Wow. We just had this long talk. And uh, that day, actually, we we both realized, too, that we had a love for Justin Bieber. Yeah. Went and bought Bieber swag and there's a whole story behind that but gotcha, yeah. it was that day that it, it was just one of those moments that it's like I could you could talk to leaders about the basics like right. you could hit the things that they get asked probably all the time like how did you how did you build this thing how did yeah. you get here how hard did you work here and it's like but there's just so much to learn from the unseen yeah. and, and the things that it's like do they do you really know them and right now if you have 10 minutes with this leader do you really want to ask the things that you honestly can go learn on Google right. for the sake or a of podcast like, they've done? Or, yes, yeah. it's like no. Use that time to go. Wow, I just saw something that I would never have seen or known about. Yeah. Other than if I had asked that question, so absolutely be strategic, right? And just like being willing to just ask ask questions that might make it awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could have been very awkward. Like, no, man, that's I don't. Wanted yeah, it could have like, for sure. And you it definitely risked it all, but it was obviously worth it. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, and here's the thing: you can risk it all when you don't hold these people to right, high esteem. Exactly. It's like, exactly. it's like, dude, honestly, you missed out. Right. Like, you missed out, buddy, because I'm great. <laughs> and it's like when you start to see it like that, it's just, it's, 
it's just different. It's like, man, yeah. you had a chance. And like, sorry, continue on with your surface level football talk. Like, literally boring. Next. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. That's funny. And and it's funny, like you even mentioned, like saying they missed out, like calling yourself great. Obviously, like you're very tongue in cheek there. You're kidding. However, I think like even if just like knowing you, but I think even just listening to you so far on the podcast, the listeners can tell that you definitely have like a self-confidence and self-assurance about you. And so like I just another curious thing is like, how would you say you balance self-assurance and confidence um, and, and make sure that doesn't step into a place of like pridefulness and pride and, and just like how do you balance that? Yeah. Um, those two things. It's a good question. Um, first off, I'll just go ahead and say it. I am prideful. Yeah. I mean, I, hi, my name is JD Rogers <laughs> and I battle pride. And I, I, would, uh, I would second that. Here I, for McCullough. Yeah. I, um, I like the spotlight. I like attention. I will never turn down a microphone. I love to tell stories. I love to dance. I love to sing. I love to do anything that requires me to be extra. <laughs> I like all of those all things, of those things yeah. and I am not sorry for it. Because I do not think those are bad things. And I think specifically in the ministry world, in the Christian world, we sometimes can suppress who God's made us because it doesn't come off as humility. It doesn't come off as hiddenness and, oh, woe is me. I must decrease. He must increase. And the Bible says, let your light shine bright before men so they may see your good deeds and praise the God in heaven. And I think about that verse and God, God is so amazing that the best things about you are not the best things about me. Right. And he didn't make a bunch of robots. He he took people and he made them all unique in his image. And I I one of the ways that I became self-confident while not while remaining not prideful, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but, no, I, I'm tracking. Um, is by being confident, really asking myself. Who did God make JD to be? Yeah. Not who is JD trying to, to be. Who did God make JD to be? So some ways that you can do that. Um, first off, find truth tellers. So find, I have two people right now in yeah. this season of life who can physically see me, physically watch me, that I go, here is everything in my life. Here is, I am fully known by you. So I can step into these moments. So let's say I get off stage speaking or something happens or I make, um, I'm, I'm, there's just something that the world deems as influential. I can go to that person and they can say, hey, you seemed a little prideful in that moment. Or, hey, are you making sure that you're knowing where all this comes from, from the Lord? Or, you know, they, they just know to like press in further than the average person would know to. And at the same time, though, they know when to celebrate when I'm operating in my gifts. Yeah. Like find people who don't compare but celebrate themselves, like celebrate you. And you want people who are going, I am excited when my friend is walking in all that God made him to be. Yeah. Not we to watch out for is when you are a confident person, when you're an assured person, when you are someone that is is outgoing and extroverted. A lot of times the enemy, Satan, yep. will use that to, to expose insecurities in other people. And so the way that those people subconsciously fight those insecurities is by telling you that you're wrong and that yeah. you need to change and that you need to be less. And that's such a 
it's such a dichotomy, such a double-sided coin because right. that's why, and that's why, again, the importance of truth tellers, you need the soundboards, you need the people that it's like, you know me so well that I can, yeah, I bet I can fish out some pride or some false motive in everything I do. Right. But was I representing God in that moment or was I, was I thinking about others in that moment? Or was I thinking about myself? Like search me and know me, my friends and my right. God. Right. And, and so I think that's, that's some things I would say. Another thing I would say is like, sometimes you get on such worry about perception. Is this pride or is this confidence? Is there, they don't think I, I like the spotlight for myself or for Jesus. Like I can't post that because they'll think I'm, trying to make much of my name. And like mm-hmm. you get in such this limbo that you actually just do nothing and you're doing nothing for the Lord. You're doing nothing for the kingdom. You're doing nothing for others because you're so you're a slave to perception Yeah, and you're a slave to what others think of you. And so the best way for me personally, and I'm kind of letting y'all into behind the closed door of my bedroom gotcha. is I never, well, I try to never take a stage, take a moment with people, take an opportunity. Um, I like those moments to be 10% of my life. And I want the other 90% to be what I'm, what my heart is about, where I'm about people. I'm about um, loving others. I'm about serving. I'm about these things that no one will ever see. Yeah. Ever. And some people will only see the 10%, but you need people that also know about or see the 90 and ultimately like know that God sees the 90%. Right. And so if you are spending time, like for me, what it looks like is I have candles in my room. I go in my room, I shut the door and I get on my knees. I play worship music and I just worship and I tell God, search me and know me. Oh God, like searching, carve out any pride, yeah. any arrogance, any anything in vanity, get it out, get it out, get it out. Cre- create me, like put in me your heart, your desires, what you want for people, and then just use me according to you, like what you want. And you just, you make, let, you take off self and you put on Christ in those moments that no one sees. No one will know. You don't have to tell anyone. And it's just you and God. And when you and God have such a real relationship, an authentic relationship, it breathes that authenticity into every other moment. It breathes it into the 10% on stage and into into opportunities with great leaders and when you're using your gifts. And the last thing I'll say about this is like, quit thinking members of the body are better than others. People need to quit putting different gifts in different categories. And the some of my closest friends hate this microphone, hate the stage, yeah. would never want it. And yet they bring so they scream into my life and they scream into the life of others louder than any microphone could. Yeah. Simply because of the simply <clears throat> because of the way that they live and that the way that they use their gifts. And I celebrate that. And people need to start doing a better job of just celebrating everyone's gifts no matter what part of the body it is and just stop comparing so i kind of went all yeah all over there no, but right. that's that's just some of the ways that me personally like truth tellers that will tell me up front you know that nathan to david moment of like i don't care how great you are david you send right and and 
and people that will do that to me and I can say, hey, it it feels good to see a couple of girls in my DMs after that talk. Right. Or it feels good to um, have a Todd Wagner come up and tell you good job. Right. It, these things feel good, but I don't want them to be the, the motive. Right. And they pray for you, call it out, and it's just so important. Yeah, so. absolutely. I hear you saying like controlling the input that you receive on your thing, on your life, whatever the 10% is, and not like giving high profile, high name people higher value of input than the people that know you, the truth tellers that you're saying. And yeah. Like finding um, like genuine correction and things like that from them instead of like, I guess, worshiping the dap up from Todd after yeah. the talk. And, and it's, it's so important because perception matters. Yeah. How you're perceived matters. Absolutely. It matters to an extent though. Right. And so Balance. when you are acknowledging yourself as an image bearer of Christ, when you, if you claim to be a Christian, um, and you are acknowledging, like, I'm an image bearer of Christ, that image matters. How yeah. you live your life, the decisions you make, how you treat people matters. Yeah. And so I am not saying that you don't listen to the perception and, and, and opinions of man to help dictate how you live your life. I'm just saying you need to make sure that everything they're saying, you take it, you are thankful for it, you apologize for what you need to apologize for, and you take it and you process it with the truth tellers. Yeah. And you sit down with them and go, here's what's been brought to my attention. When I walk in a room, does it seem like I do this? Does it seem like I want the attention more than I want others to feel loved or, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And then, and then you grow. Like, it's like, I don't have it all figured out. Right. Todd doesn't have it all figured out. He doesn't have, we, these people don't have it all figured out. Right. And it's like, I'm just trying to figure it out just like everyone else. So, um, and then kind of like just switching gears a little bit, like you're someone who has experience on creative things like creative development, creative directors, things like that. That's a big part of you. You talked about loving extra things, the stage, all <laughs> things like that. Um, and so a lot of times for creatives, I feel like they get stuck in the rut of having this great idea that will change the world. And then it stays there as an idea that could have changed the world if they would have acted on it. And so yeah. I think there's a big difference between being an idea guy and being a um, like bring idea to fruition guy, for lack of a better term. Um, and so you seem to be a guy and obviously like we all have moments where we have ideas that we don't act on, but you seem to be a guy that has an idea and is quick to act on it. And so I just wanted to kind of delve in a little bit on your thoughts on what does it look like to be a creative mind that doesn't just get stuck as the idea guy? Yeah, that's a good question. So the language I use for that is yeah. ideation to implementation. That, so sounds, that sounds better than what yeah, I was yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, so had more time to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it is a struggle. It is a struggle right. when your job is to literally think for others and to cast vision and and try to put people inside your mind as the idea guy. And so, I think it's so important that you do a little bit of both. That you're okay with being just the idea guy, and they never they never see the light of day. But then also knowing your ideas that it's like no, this needs to happen. Yeah. And so one way I do that is I do exercise what I call green light thinking where I have dream sessions. I have moments where I think about larger than life things that honestly may, may never see the light of day. It's like, but it's just so it fuels me yeah. to, to think like that. It, it, it sustains me in the other right. things that I actually have to execute. And so I would say those things are okay to do and, and to do that. Um, but just make sure that you know that's what this time is for. And if it happens, it happens one day. Now on the other end, an idea is no good if it just stays an idea. Absolutely. And you should make your ideas come to life. And so I think one of the reasons why, 
I'm gonna be very honest. It's yeah. kind of a passion point of mine. Yeah. Um, I think, on that soapbox. <laughs> I think one of the reasons why people do not see their ideas come to life is because they don't actually <laughs> they don't <laughs> actually chuckle. when they realize what it takes, they don't actually want it bad enough. Yeah. Like no one actually wants the idea to come to life. They just we're 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 not really a solution based people. We're a complaining people, or we're a yeah. I could do it better. I could. Here's my idea. That's a, that's kind of what we are. So we have all these ideas, but we don't have the work ethic to yeah. see them come to life. And so I, what I see is a lot of people who just make a lot of noise and not a lot of change. And so for me, what I try to do is I go if I'm going to speak this and like I've seen an idea flunk. I've seen it not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have gotten really i have made the mistake in my youth of hyping up an idea posting about it and then realizing what it took and also that i was broke and it didn't happen and i i could have sat there and been like you know defeated what's the point that was embarrassing and it's like no i'm gonna get up i'm gonna think about what can i do then right and so i think so many people look at the end result of someone else's work and go i want that and everyone wants the stage but they don't want the they don't want the hours upon hours in the room alone, praying, begging God, searching through context and scripture. They don't they don't want the hours of people giving you feedback and running your talk again and again and people saying that didn't make any sense or that wasn't funny and and you trying to get it just right for the audience. They don't want after you speak the people accusing you of lacking the spotlight and the yeah. things that come, they just want what they think they want the stage. Or right. you look at the athlete and it's like, I want that, that the feeling of the championship and right. I want to be down there in the uniform <laughs> and my in my glory days. And it's like you think you want that, but that person is miserable. No one knows who they are. The work hours, the way they're away from their family, they came to start a family because they're so busy. Right. The 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 drugs, the all the things it's like there's so much that you think you want the end result, but you don't want the process to get there. Yeah. And so I would say, like, first thing you have to do is if you you gotta ask yourself, am I about it? Like, do I wanna be about it? And I do I really wanna put in the work to make this idea come to life? Because if you don't and it's your idea, it will not happen. You can get the right team, you can get the right people, you can buy the right things, but if you don't want it yeah. more than anyone, it's not it's, not gonna, it's not gonna happen. So first thing is like ask yourself, am I about this? Am I actually about this? Or is this just a cool idea? Second thing I'd say is it's all about team. It's not me, it's we. And this is something I'm definitely like, I would say I'm in the process of working on now being at a bigger organization at Breakaway. There were seven of us. And I, if it was my idea, it was my responsibility to bring it to life. So I did, I did almost everything to make an idea come to life. Right. Here, it's huge team emphasis. Others' ideas influence your ideas and you bring people in from different departments and it's been a big learning curve for me to learn how to work with others, but it's so much better when it's a we mentality, not a me mentality. And so one of my, my top strength finders is individualization. Mm-hmm. What that basically means is I can look at an individual, spot their strengths, and raise them to their fullest potential. And so because of that, because I can know people really quick, I can assemble a really good team. So I can go, okay, to make this idea come to life, I need – so-and-so, 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 and so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Reach out, inspire, bring in, inform, and then execute. Yeah. And so that leads me to my next thing. Yeah. It's it's some steps I take is I want this so bad. And if a true visionary can almost make their team want it more than they do. Right. Which means they want it a whole lot. Yeah. And if you can have the people on the ground 
doing it, spending the hours at night editing video content or running it again and again and again until you say it perfectly or the hours practice and all these different things. Like if you can get them just as inspired or more inspired somehow than you, you're going to succeed. And so picking the right team matters. Chemistry matters. Like, is there, is there a, a, a equal amount of like, I'm in this like buy-in and, and, and it's just all of those things matter. And so I would say just to wrap, I come come circle back. Like the two things is establishing, like, are you about it? Like, do I really want this? Am I willing to see this? Not just, I have this a idea and I can see it would then produce Z Everything in between, am I willing to stick all the way from A to Z? Right. And if you can't, just next, like on to the next yeah. thing. Like um, Thinking about not just the result, but the process that yeah. we're taking, saying, am I up for the process? Exactly. Yeah. Because it's hard. Right. And it's no fun. Nope. And, and, there but the process matters. Yeah. And then the people. It's it's the people you're gonna that are going to help you succeed. Do they want it? Are, can you inspire them? Can you equip them? Can you inform them? to do. Yeah. And so I would say those those are two ways to really help you could take your idea and then implement it. Yeah. And that's kind of like talking about just bringing people in to help bring that vision to life. It's yeah. Kind of that. Yeah. That's awesome. And like not having such a tight grip, like yeah. people might bring something that makes it now a little bit of their idea and share that, like share the idea, yeah. like let people speak into it. Let other ideas formulate in the process that might be better than yours. Lay down your pride and do what's best in the process yeah. a lot of things change in the process so let go of the grip don't micromanage let go of the control trust yourself trust them and then like see it through yeah very rarely does a to z z end up looking like you thought it would at a like right. it's always it's always ebb and flow and changing so and when people get a part and, the, and realize that their part's valuable as well they're going to be even more bought into exactly. the vision of yep. the project buy-in's huge absolutely so just kind of like wrapping up, what what advice would you give to twenty year old JD? If you can even remember that far back, you're well off in <laughs> six, your years. Six now. years ago, six well. years ago, just kind of like that age. Like if you can remember yeah. back, like what advice would you give to not just you, but just a twenty year old? Yeah, it's pretty easy for me. Uh, I am an Enneagram three. Okay. I'm an achiever, yep. and I would just tell my twenty year old self, self uh, resist resist the urge to think that you are defined by what you do. Because I think for for a lot of my early twenties, I and then my teenage years, I I just truly believed that my self worth came from what I could do, and so I worked hours, hours alone to be good at everything I could. Yeah. Like if it was if it was a musical thing, I want to become musical. If it was a media thing, I want to know everything about videos and and, and media stuff. If it was people, I want to be best at people communicating, communicating. Like I, I was just trying to make this wide range of like anything I could do, I want to be really good at it. So when I walk into the situation, I don't fail. I, I impress. Yeah. And because I'm defined by what I do. And that then just forms a an addiction to people pleasing and seeking acceptance and what others think and and say and that is an exhausting life. Yeah. And it and it is a ladder that will never you'll never reach the top and you'll just have to keep climbing and keep climbing and it took me losing and pushing away almost everything in my life. Yeah. Um because just I'll end with this like when my dad did die of cancer I had myself I had made everyone look at me to do things for them. Mm-hmm. When your dad dies of cancer, your best friend dies of cancer, 
you don't really got much to give. Right. You don't have things you can do. So I let a lot of people down in my morning and it's my own fault. I made them attached to me and what I could do for them. Yeah. And so when I had nothing to give, they weren't really around. So then I found myself alone in the hardest point of my life with not many people around or I pushed them away going, what do I, what am I now to people right. when I have nothing to give? Re-understanding your identity. Exactly. And yeah. so now I've tried to ever since then make sure that no longer am I defined by what I do, but who I am. And like I said, in my faith, it's who I am in Christ, yeah. and who he says I am and not the things that I think I can achieve or do for myself. So, Yeah. Well, JD, this has been incredible. I know I've learned a ton. I know that our listeners will have learned a ton as well. Thank you so much for taking the time yeah. um, and just sharing some of your insight from your your old wisdom at 26 years old, far <laughs> off. What yeah. you learned. Thanks so much. <laughs>